Well, we made it, church. We did it. Do you know what today is? Sunday. (laughs) This is true. Anybody else know what today is? The last week of our series, which is incredible because we have been on this series. Does anybody know how many weeks? How many? Six? Eight? Today is week 11. Isn't that incredible how long we've been doing this? And we've been on this series called Real Life, where one of the things that we love doing here at Shepherd's Gate is going through a book or a letter that's in the Bible. And there's 66 of those in the Bible. And so we've been going through First Peter, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we have made it to today. Isn't that incredible? You all deserve a round of applause. I'm just going to applause for you for making it. Now, if you're new or you've just been coming the last couple of weeks, the really cool thing is that uh, if you want to go back, everything is available on demand. So you can go back at the beginning and you can kind of see. And this is what's really cool. You can binge watch sermons. Do you know that? <laughs> and we don't charge. This isn't Netflix or Hulu or whatever other thing that you, you, know, you spend your time doing. You can go through all of 1 Peter in a few hours. That's what's so incredible. Uh, But those of you that have been on the journey with us, thanks for hanging out. I'm excited today. Uh, It's kind of a happy, sad day because, you know, we are ending it, but, you know, we also get to look forward to what God has for our future. Uh, So just a couple things right up front here. Next Sunday, you don't want to miss, okay? Uh, The worship department, it's going to take over the service. Jim Jensen, our worship arts director, uh, is going to be sharing some psalms, but we are going to actually increase the amount of songs that we sing next week, okay? And you guys were singing beautifully. That last song when the band kind of just went a little bit lower and you can hear your voices. So if you love worship, you love singing, make sure you're here. The kids will be with us as well. If you don't like singing and music, I don't know what to tell you. Okay? (laughs) Um, Soulful Sunday next week. And then we're going to kick into our Christmas series. And so I would encourage you, bring friends. Or send them the link if you're watching online. There's so many people that need hope during this holiday season, and we are going to go through the story of Jesus. We're going to look at Mary and Joseph. We're going to look at all the scriptures that talk about what it is that they went through, and so I would just encourage you, make sure that you don't just come alone, or come alone, make sure you grab someone and bring somebody with you. Sound good? All right, so you ready for this? First Peter chapter 5, these are the final verses, 18 to 24. Uh, there's cheer Bibles in front of you. If you're in the front row, they're underneath the seat. If you're watching online, you can go grab your Bible or click on the Bible tab on the online screen there, and you want to type in 1 Peter chapter 5. Also, if you don't have a Bible, whether you're in person or online, please take one home with you today. If you're online, just direct message us, and we will mail one to your house. We love to give Bibles away here at Shepherd's Gate. Now, as you're churning there, we're going to do this in a little bit different order, Okay. So all of my type A friends, I'm sorry, okay? We are not going to do 18 to 24. We're actually going to start in verse 12. Then we're going to go back to the beginning, and then we're going to read verse 24. How's that sound? You don't really have a choice. (laughs) But I'm just giving you a heads up in case you're wondering why we keep bouncing around. So we're going to start with verse 12 where it says this. But Sylvanius, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you. So this whole letter that we've been spending 11 weeks on, Peter's saying, this was kind of just a brief letter. Uh, Exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Now, this, uh, this, this man here is actually found several times in Scripture. Uh, he's, his name uh, is actually found as Silas. It's short 
uh, for Silas and other parts of the scripture. Incredible blessing to the early church, not only to Peter, but to Paul, because he actually went on Paul's missionary journey. And so some theologians believe that maybe he is the one that actually penned First Peter as Peter was dictating it to him. Others would believe that he was the one that actually got the word out to the churches, so he was the messenger that went and delivered it to the churches. Either way, an incredible person, and even today as we have to celebrate staff, we would never be able to do what we do here at Shepherd's Gate if it wasn't for the support of those that work so diligently behind the scenes. Amen? And so I just think it's cool that you get to see this as well. And here again is Peter. What is he doing? He's encouraging and he's declaring. He's encouraging and he's declaring. Of course he is because he's an apostle. He's an elder. He's a pastor. That this is the true grace of God. This is the truth. I want you to know that this is really who God is and what it is that he can do for your life. And so now look at verse 12. Look at what it says, part B. Stand firm in it. What are you standing firm in? What's the it? Faith. You stand firm in your faith. You know what it is that the Holy Spirit has done for you. You know who your God is. You know that he's ultimately in charge of this entire world and one day he will come again and we will spend all eternity with him. And I love this because he says stand firm in it. And if those of you that were here earlier this year, you remember we actually went through the Old Testament book, the whole Old Testament book of Daniel, and we actually called that sermon series Stand Strong, which by the way, you can also go back and watch the entire series of Daniel as well. It's also still on our website. And what's so cool about that is Daniel, here you have a guy who was actually taken from his homeland, if you remember this, and he became a prisoner And all of his rights were stripped from him, and yet he was still able to stand firm in his faith. He still didn't compromise his values, which is exactly what God is calling us to do in our day and age. Did you know that? That we can stand firm in the faith that God has given us, that we don't have to compromise our values either. And so Daniel didn't, the people in Peter's time didn't do it. We stand firm in who God is, not in our own strength, not in our own wisdom or knowledge or ability. We stand firm in what it is that Christ has done for us. Amen? Amen. But then he also says this, she who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Well, who is she? Anybody know? She is actually the church. And so often when people would refer to the church, they would use the the female pronoun to describe the church. Jesus even did this when he called the church his bride. And so she who is at Babylon, but wait a second, this is way past Babylon. Peter's not in Babylon. Why is he saying Babylon? And the reason that he's saying this is because he's actually referring to Jerusalem because that's where they're at at this time. And the Romans were controlling everything. And if you'll remember, Nero just happens to be in power. And Nero is a very prideful young adult. He's a young guy, and he was crazy. He persecuted Christians on unprecedented levels, and it's kind of interesting that Peter is actually calling this time in this place Babylon, because he's connecting it back to the Old Testament. See, this is why you can never unhinge the Old Testament from the New Testament. They go together. There's a fulfillment of Scripture. In fact, all throughout 1 Peter, he quotes or refers to the Old Testament over 20 times. And that's what's so important about knowing all of Scripture. So I love this. So she who is at Babylon, he's talking about the church in Jerusalem, 
is likewise chosen, just like you were chosen by God. You were chosen. You are royal priesthood. You are a holy nation belonging to him. We looked at that earlier. Sends you greetings. So the church greets you in Jerusalem. Hey, you that are all scattered all over Asia Minor, guess what? There's a church back in Jerusalem that's praying for you, that's supporting you, that's encouraging you on in the faith. Don't get up. Don't give up. We know it's going to get hard. We know it's going to get difficult, but don't give up. And then so it also says here, Mark, my son. Now, Mark wasn't actually his son. That was just a term that they would use because they had affection for each other. Now, you ready? We're going to go back to verse 8, okay? So 1 Peter 5, verse 8, the beginning says this. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Does anyone remember this? I know it was 10 weeks ago. This is exactly what Peter said back in chapter one. And so anybody that, that, that's a writer or that gives speeches, you know that you oftentimes will repeat whatever you said at the beginning at the end so that you can make sure that everyone understands the point you're trying to drive home. What is the opposite of sober? Drunk. Why would God want you to be sober-minded? Because things are evil. And to be watchful. And it doesn't mean that you don't know what's going on in the world. It doesn't mean that you don't keep up with, with things that are taking place. The, the, the slippery slope is when we become obsessed with, with, with what is going on in the world and we spend more time watching the news and getting angry and getting frustrated or we spend more time obsessing about the things that, that we think uh, are so important and yet God says your mission on this earth is to proclaim the gospel. You are to be salt and light. And even as the world around us is falling apart, even as, even as it seems like things are getting darker and darker and there's more confusion, guess what? The church is still on mission. And really, every church and every Christian kind of has two things that they can do. They can walk away from their faith and say, you know what, this, is, this isn't for me anymore and a, a loving God would never do this and so I'm done with this. Or sometimes Christian communities will do this. They will circle the wagons. And they'll just say, man, it's getting really bad right now and we don't understand. It looks like now the church is going to be even persecuted more and more in the, in, in the coming days. Let's just circle the wagons, hunker down, and just hope that we get through this. And yet again, I would challenge you to say that God never called the church to do that. He always called the church to move forward in the vision and the mission that he has for it. Amen? Now, this next verse is key. This next verse, it, it's one that, that is often referenced in, in other sermons. And, and pastors will, will constantly remind people of this verse. And I want us to look at this, and I want us to actually just spend a few moments just allowing God's word to be processed in our hearts. It says this in the second half of verse 8. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. take a few moments what does that speak to you first of all what's an adversary an enemy do we realize that the devil is our enemy do we take it and do we take him seriously and do we realize that he is trying to destroy us? 
that he's trying to destroy marriages, that he's trying to destroy families, that he's trying to destroy relationships that we have with people in the church, that his goal is ultimately to destroy every Bible-believing church, that he would love nothing more than to run, run havoc and to try to grab as many people and drag them into the pits of hell with himself, right? Like, that is his mission. Look at, look at just the imagery of this, that he prowls around like a roaring lion. And what's so interesting, even as Peter's writing these words in the time that they lived in, again, Nero being the emperor, is that Nero was known to drag Christians out of their homes. And he would put them in the middle of arenas, and, and they would be kind of the pregame show. You know, there's so many pregame shows now in, in sports. And so they would put the Christians in the, in the middle of the arena, and they'd tell them to denounce their faith. And if they didn't denounce their faith, then they would unleash the lions into the center of the arena, and people would laugh and scoff as these people would be brutally murdered and killed. And yet I'm telling you this, God's word says he is still alive and active today. That he wants to run havoc. And sometimes he has this ability to influence us. We give just a little bit of sin, we get a little bit of attitude, we get a little bit loose with our tongue, and pretty soon now he puts another carrot out, another carrot out, another carrot out, and we begin to follow him into these dark areas. We begin to say and do things we thought we would never do. He is our enemy. He is not our friend. And too often, I think we, we lose sight of this and we want to play with this or we want to, you know, you, know, you know, ignore this. Because I'll tell you this as well, there's churches and they're kind of, they're kind of on the two extremes. There's churches that don't talk about sin or the devil at all. And then you have churches that probably talk about it way too much, right? And it almost becomes an obsession and it's almost like you give the devil way too much time and energy. And hopefully somewhere in the middle of that is where we can find ourselves. God, it's in your word. In fact, if you read the Bible from beginning to end, the, the Satan and the devil are all throughout scripture. All throughout scripture. And so to not talk about it at, at all just doesn't seem right because in the Gospels, it talks about the devil, and Jesus talked about the devil, and in, in the writings of the New Testament, in the letters that were written by Paul and Peter, he, they talk about it constantly, and even Peter here talking about the devil, telling us we need to be alert, we need to be sober-minded, we need to be watchful of what he's trying to do. I love the way someone explained it to me this, that when someone is baptized, or a child is baptized, or when someone comes to faith, and the seed of faith is planted into a heart and in a life, the devil takes and draws a bullseye on you. And he is after you. He does not like that you follow Jesus. He does not like that you come to church or that you watch online. He does not like the fact that you pray. He does not like the fact that when he puts temptations out there, you resist it and instead you do what God wants you to do. He is relentless. Relentless. And some of you, maybe you're new to this whole concept and, and who this is and, and how this works. Let me tell you what the Bible tells us about the devil. One passage would be Isaiah, and this is where we find the five I's, the I will statements of the devil. See, the reason he was kicked out of heaven, because that's where he started, he used to be one of the angels, he was kicked out of heaven, it was because of pride. And so there's these I will statements he actually told God, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself above the most high. 
And then look at what it says in Revelation. And this great dragon, so now he's being called a dragon, was thrown down that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan. Make no mistake, right? The deceiver of the whole world. That's his goal. His only mission day and night is to cause havoc and destruction. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So not only do we have a devil to contend for, we also have his demons. And the way that he tries to get into people's hearts and into people's lives. And again, our job is to be watchful, to be sober-minded, to see the way that things are orchestrating in the world. But we have an obligation to stand firm in our faith, to stand firm in our faith. In fact, all of this actually goes back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And in Genesis 3, after God creates the whole world, and he creates the man and woman, the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, in in chapter 3 it says, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. So at this point, Satan has already been cast down to the earth. And in an unfortunate series of events, he's actually able to convince Adam and Eve that what God said maybe wasn't exactly what he said. And he tempts them just little bit by little bit until he ultimately gets them to disobey what God had commanded them to do. And in that one moment, in that one time, in that one place in human history, sin is brought into the world. And because of that, you and I deal with sin to this day. But here's the crazy part of our God. That even back then, even when this whole thing started, God was there. And God had a plan, and God knew that he was going to have to send Jesus to this earth. In fact, this is what he said to the serpent. He says this to the serpent, which I find fascinating. Hey, Satan, just so you know, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, because Jesus is coming. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Hey, and when that time comes, when I put my son Jesus Christ on that cross, and you think that you have won, you think that somehow you have won in this game of life, guess what? You didn't. Because three days later, he's coming out of that tomb, and he is going to defeat you, and he's going to defeat sin, and he's going to defeat death once and for all. You have no right to anybody that's a child of mine. So even though you think you strike his head, guess what? He's going to strike your heel, and he is going to end you once and for all. Here's what's great about Peter. Here's what's great about what he tells the church. This is how we combat the devil. It's right in verse 9. What's it say in your Bibles? What does it say? Resist him. Again, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Hey, guess what? We're not the only ones going through trials and tribulations and hardships. All over the world, in all sorts of Bible-believing churches, there's persecution taking place, and everyone has, has to go through the path that God has them on and the experiences that they're going through. But we don't just sit around and let the devil spew his lies or spew his venom into our lives or into our families. Did you know that? That we have the ability to resist him. Isn't that incredible? In fact, James 4, 7 says it this way. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he what? He will flee from you. Those of you that are parents or grandparents this morning, and you have your kids in our kids program, just so you know, this is their key verse for today. 
And they are talking about the same exact thing that we are talking about. And you know you've heard us say this before, but especially today, will you please go home and have conversations with your kids? Will you please talk to them about the devil? And will you please explain to them that they have the ability also at their age to resist the devil? When you and I are in a situation and the pressures are coming in and you realize that all of a sudden it seems like there's things before you or or your mind's playing tricks on you and you don't know what to do, do you know that you can rebuke the devil? Did you know that? That when you can just sense evilness around you or you're in a situation and you're around people that are just toxic and you can just see the, the, the toxicity that's coming out of them, you can say, God, in this moment, humble me. But God, I resist what the devil is doing. I resist whatever is taking place. God, I want no part of that. And when you resist the devil, when you rebuke the devil, he has no choice. He must flee. That's the beautiful part. And you can remind him. This is the fun part. You can say, hey, did you forget what Jesus or what God said in Genesis chapter 3? Hey, oh, by the way, we know that you saw Jesus hang on the cross. Guess what, devil? You are already defeated. He paid for my sins. Stop bringing up my past. Stop trying to trip me up. Stop trying to destroy my family. You have no right to me, and you have no right to my family. Resist him. And think about it when it comes to your kids. Parents, think about it when your kids are just struggling, right? Maybe they're having nightmares, night tremors or something's taking place and they come running into your room in the middle of the night. They say, Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, man, I don't know what to do with this situation. What, do you, what should we do with them? What do we do with them? Tell them to suck it up? <laughs> Stop watching those shows on Netflix? Or maybe they saw something they shouldn't have saw when you were watching the show that maybe you shouldn't have been watching? Right? And all of a sudden there's these thoughts and these things and now the devil's even using that. No, you pull them in, parents. And you pray with them. And you say, listen, there is a God that has defeated this for you. And even though you're having these thoughts and even though you're having these fears, guess what? He has overcome for you. Let's bring this before God. Let's pray before this. And just so you know, you as a child can also resist him. You also can tell the devil to get out of here, get out of your life, and to not worry or burden you with these thoughts or these things anymore. Amen? Amen. Look at how God puts it in Ephesians. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The full armor of God. You want to dig into this more? Go back and read all of Ephesians 6. What is it that God has given us to combat the devil? What are some of the armors of God that he's given us? The helmet of salvation, right? The breastplate of righteousness. What is it that he calls God's word? Who knows? Say it loud. Sword. You have a sword. Isn't that cool? Jab him back. Don't put up with his nonsense. Jab him back. Say, hey, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee, against God. God gives us his word. He asks us to to, to ponder these words, to meditate on them day and night. And not only that, this is what's so incredible about the God that we serve, is that he did, yes, send Jesus to this earth to live a sinless life, to experience everything that we experience. I want you to think about that. Even temptation. Even interactions with the devil. In fact, if you go and you read Matthew chapter 4, 
you read that Jesus actually went into a wilderness and he fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. Anyone ever actually done a, a full 40-day fast? See, no one. No one at nine either, and I have not done one of these. Do you think after 40 days and nights of not eating anything that you would be a little grouchy? Right? <laughs> Do you think emotionally you would be spent? Physically you would be spent? Spiritually? All of those things. Not Jesus. Right? After 40 days, here comes the devil to tempt him. And what is it that Jesus says as he, as he proposes these three things, as he gives him these three different opportunities to be tempted by the devil? Each and every time, Jesus quotes scripture. He quotes scripture to the devil. I mean, this is amazing, isn't it? And I love this, because what does he say to him first? Get out of here. Who do you think you are? You have no right to me, for it is written. And that's the pattern that we have. When he comes and he tries to attack us, when he tries to, to attack our circumstances, we say, guess what, devil, for it is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And because he told him to get away, what does it say? The devil left him and angels came and attended him. Because thanks be to God, the devil has his demons, but Jesus has his angels. And Jesus has them all over planet Earth. And one day we'll have to dig more into this and explain this more. But thanks be to God that he is powerful. And he is the one that knows our thoughts. That he is omniscient. God has the abilities that the devil does not have. God knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows history. He's from the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. And he is the ultimate victor in the end of this story we call life. Amen? Amen. Maybe that's why First John put it this way. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And I believe Jesus is still working today, destroying the works of the devil. Maybe you're in a circumstance. There's relationships that you are in right now that you're struggling with. Maybe your marriage is holding on by a thread. Or maybe it's given the week that we're about to experience this Thursday. You have so much anxiety because you don't even know what Thanksgiving is going to look like if people are going to show up and if people are going to talk about this issue or that, if people are going to bring up politics, whatever the case may be for you and your family. And do you know the devil's already warming up his hands behind the scenes? He's like, here we go. I can't wait for this family to have Thanksgiving. Let me see what I can blow up in this household. And here's our warning, church, to humble ourselves now, to begin to rebuke the devil now. To begin to say, God, would you help me guard my mouth and my mind and help me to speak truth and help me to speak love and grace and mercy, whatever my Thanksgiving table looks like this year. God, help me not to blow up Thanksgiving because Christmas is just a few weeks away and I want to invite them to Shepherd's Gate. So God, really guard me this Thanksgiving. Amen? Amen. God, we want to see miracles this Thanksgiving so that family member that doesn't know you, that's far from you, that's been running from you, or that's caught in a sin and everybody knows it, God, help us to just be salt and light in that situation, to be salt and light in that home, to be salt and light at that meal, that maybe, just maybe, this is the year they're going to come to know you and we're going to smack that devil right back down where he belongs. Amen? Man, believe it, declare it, quote scripture, sing worship songs, whatever it makes sense to you. You got four days to do it, amen? All right. Back to 1 Peter, sorry. 
because I told you I'd get through this. Verse 10, look what it says in verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, and Ben did such a great job with this a couple weeks ago, guess what? This is your time here on earth. We're all gonna suffer, and we're gonna suffer till the very end, okay? The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, look at these words, he will restore, he will confirm, he will strengthen, and he will establish you. Love that. It only gets better for us. It only gets better. And we get to look to that future hope that we have in Christ. That is how amazing he is. God also put it this way, that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Again, he has no right to you. He has no right to your family. You can rebuke him. You can stand firm in your faith. He says this, to him be the dominion forever and ever. And he ends with amen. Do you know why he says this? It's worship. That's why next week when we gather here, we are gonna worship, we're gonna blow the roof off of this thing, okay? We're gonna sing praises to our God. To him be dominion forever and ever and ever and ever, amen. Now you ready for the final verse? This is just weird, I don't wanna do it, but it's the last verse, verse 14. Here's how we're gonna end today. Greet one another with the kiss of love. So go ahead and turn to your neighbor. No, just kidding. Don't do, no, do not do that. <laughs> Apparently they weren't in a pandemic, right? <laughs> Last sentence. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. May God's peace rest on you, church. May God's peace rest on you, child of God. And if you're here today and you don't know God or you've been running from God or you feel far from God, know that his peace once again will come upon you. He is knocking at the door of your heart. He is here in this moment, in this room. He is speaking to you, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he is drawing you to the foot of the cross that you can have faith and hope and experience this peace in him. Amen? Amen. Amen.